Hello again, everyone. I really appreciate you listening. Thanks to everyone for all the emails and the support. This episode is going to be another purely speculative one. It was suggested by a listener months ago, and I'm finally getting around to it. You see, I really do steal your topic suggestions. I don't know if I have an actual regular type of episode, but this seems like a non-regular one to me. So if this is your first episode, please give some of the other ones a try also. But enough of my yapping. These creatures, called Earthlings, created long-distance communications that utilize the electromagnetic spectrum. Most people know these as radio waves or TV signals. Cell phones are yet another form of this communication. There's probably a few others. But these signals that were merely meant as a means for us to communicate with our own race aren't confined to the Earth like we are. They travel off into space, playing among the asteroids and cosmic dust. Some believe that these signals could be detected by other beings living on other planets. We Earthlings have an organization dedicated to looking for similar transmissions from these potential other beings. It's called SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. If we're looking for life elsewhere in the universe, that alien life, if it exists, may be looking for us. Some believe this has already happened. It could be watching you right now. Or if not watching us, watching our television shows and listening to our radio, what would they think of us if they're basing their opinion entirely on what some have called the lowest form of entertainment? But going from receiving a signal to reaching a verdict on mankind is a monumental task. This was the kind of premise behind the movie Contact. Aliens received our signal and then sent our signal back to us, along with a host of other information, giving us plans on how to build some giant machine. While detecting a clearly artificial signal is certainly possible, there are some difficulties to overcome. The first of which is due to the vast distances involved. Obviously, this doesn't apply if we're referring to the Codan Armada lurking on the dark side of the moon, waiting for the frontier to drop before they attack us. But we'll ignore them for now. And I'm getting quite a big payoff to distract people from the Codans. Now, if we're referring to Marklar on their home planet, light years away, they're definitely going to have to deal with a very weak signal, if such a signal can even survive that distance at all, and still remain in any usable condition. Yeah, we can see starlight from billions of light years away, but stars are sending out really powerful beams of light and at an enormous quantity. Our radio and TV stations are sending a considerably less powerful emission. In addition, the signals will be passing through gas clouds and cruising by interstellar debris and comets and Babylon 4. Don't forget that space isn't really a vacuum. There are particles out there, just not very many, and they're much further apart than in our atmosphere. These things all offer a chance for this signal to be absorbed, deflected, or at least slightly altered. But let's say that the signals make it past all that crap. There's going to be an issue with signal overloading. What? Well, in my area, there's a radio station called 99X, which broadcasts at 99.7 MHz FM. San Francisco has a station at 99.7 called Move It. There's also a 99.7 in Rhode Island, Ohio, Montana, etc., etc. FM radio works with the curvature of the Earth, so that as long as you're a certain distance away, you're only going to receive one station. But if we're talking about these signals going out into space, Jorel is going to be getting all of these stations at once. 
I'm not sure he and his council of elders is going to be able to determine this signal is actually 145 separate signals combined into one. TV stations have the same issue. And then you have to factor in all the different countries that might be using overlapping frequencies for different purposes. But this entire matter of combining stations is further complicated by the rotation of this little dirt ball we call home. Due to this rotation, about every 12 hours, a single station will be cut off, as it's now on the opposite side of our planet from our alien voyeurs. Then it'll return in about 12 hours as we rotate back and the station is now visible again. Now, the exact combination of stations will be different depending on what time it is. Now this pattern might actually enable them to determine that our planet has a 24-hour day, if they can isolate a single station. But there's, a, there's another potential issue with, with them just getting the signal. As Starman, Jeff Bridges' favorite food before he gave Jenny Hayden baby was Dutch apple pie. If you put a Dutch apple pie in the center of your kitchen, put an M80 inside of it, light it, and run! You're going to return to a big mess. Pie parts will be all over the place. But there's a finite amount of pie to be blown to the four winds. So even if you use a significantly more powerful explosive, the further you are away from ground zero, the less likely you are to get hit by pie chunks simply because there's only so much to go around. I think a similar issue with waves emanating from Earth would occur. Now, waves might not work exactly like that, but they can't remain the same power spreading out in all directions equally, can they? Basically, I'm just making the argument that signal strength will be an issue. Another very big issue is that we didn't choose to send these signals to Blur of the Planet Omicron Percy I-8. We have not included any type of key for decoding them, nor did we choose a method of transmission designed to overcome these technical limitations I just mentioned. Unlike the signal from contact, where extra information was deliberately included to help us understand it, and I presume it was formatted in such a way as to make it easier for us to extract this information, we're just broadcasting it in probably what is the easiest and cheapest way for us to do so. Even if they do receive our signals, they'll have no help from us in understanding what the hell they're receiving. I'm sure there's 13 other things that an expert in electromagnetics could tell me that make actually reading information from a signal very difficult. They might detect it, but that's only a small part of the problem. But let's say that little shape-shifting Agnon, either by luck or technological means, is able to overcome these issues. Or that maybe they're just hiding behind the moon. Let's suppose that they are able to get our signals and that they are able to isolate individual TV and radio stations. What then? I'm just going to consider radio and television, only to simplify this. Things like analog cell phones would be similar to radio. So, let's consider. You're an alien with two antennae on your head. You go by the name Uncle Martin and Mrs. Brown is your neighbor. One day, you suddenly receive some signal. You pull out your extraterrestrial oscilloscope from underneath the sink and take a look at it. It's just a bunch of wavy things. Do you have an audio signal? A video signal? A combination? Is it just some digital data? That's going to be your first problem, determining what this is supposed to represent. Remember, you're an alien. You might not even have the same concepts we have. For instance, you may be receiving a radio station, but what if sound is not even a part of your communication? Just like smell is not a part of our communication, but some of our animals use it. What if you're a race of intelligent giant space bees, and you immediately assume that this signal represents the steps in a dance detailing where the mother load of space honey is located? You communicate by shaking your ass and watching yourself, 
and showing each other with what you are working. The idea of this being audio probably isn't going to occur to you. You might spend decades trying to decipher this signal, all because you have no idea what to convert it to. Ever heard a fax machine communicate with another fax machine? It's audio. It's analog. But it's actually binary data encoded into analog. The scarret on the other side might get a radio signal and think it's a fax signal. And further, they think we're trying to communicate with them, again, like in contact. So they start doing printouts of page after page, trying to make sense of it and looking for a key to match them all up. And they go back and look for hidden prime numbers in this FM radio signal. And, and I don't even think George Harab has a song with prime numbers in it. We aren't including a key in our signals, and they have no idea what it represents. Let's say they do figure out that this is, in fact, audio. It's generally agreed that we humans have a hearing range from 20 hertz, hertz being cycles per second, 20 hertz is just a rumble, all the way up to 20,000 hertz. AM, FM, whatever. It's not just a transmission on that frequency. You tune your FM radio dial into some frequency which is in megahertz. AM is usually thousands of hertz. So we take one wave that is from, say, 20 to 20,000 cycles per second. Actually, it's not even that, but for the sake of argument. We then embed this into a wave that is hundreds of thousands or even millions of cycles per second. Now, the way this works, which I won't go into, makes it so that it is possibly fairly visible to someone who understands waves. And, and let's assume our alien listeners do. What if they interpret it differently? What if their hearing range is different from ours? You know, like dolphins or, or Urkel. What if we all come out sounding like chipmunks because they decide it really is supposed to be one million hertz? Wouldn't that be interesting if we finally met them and they were expecting Alvin and his chipmunk brethren and instead we sound like booming demons to them? But those are some of the difficulties with audio. Uh, let's switch to video. The interesting thing about video signals is that they have these indicators or, or flags embedded in them at regular intervals. One of them basically says, it's done with that single horizontal line, on to the next line. The other one says, it's done with an entire frame, so start over again. There's a whole bunch of end of horizontal line flags for every end of frame flags, and they're at regular intervals. I would think this would jump out as 2D information if you studied the whole thing long enough. The tricky thing is, is that frequency is used to determine color. Now, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but I looked up how frequency relates to color, and, uh, and while it may not be arbitrary, it doesn't stand out as following natural light. The frequencies for color in a TV signal start at yellow and work their way to green, opposed to what I would expect, which would be to start at red and go to purple, you know, like a rainbow. Again, I, I don't know shit about this, but maybe this suggests there's a technological reason for how we transmit color. As such, if you went by nature, which would be a reasonable model, and you figured out the frequency is in fact color, you'd end up with everybody looking like a bad colorization of an old black and white movie with purple flesh tones and green hair. By the way, why doesn't Hollywood give that another shot? They could probably colorize some movies correctly with today's tools. But anyway, that's if they figured out it was a picture. But would they know it was a picture? They might think it's textual pages of a book and not a movie. That's not color information, it's letters and numbers. Ugh. Let me shoot the picture thing down again. What if they figure out that it's a picture, but they don't recognize that it's supposed to represent moving images? 
kind of like no one in the movie contact thought of putting all those diagrams together in a giant flipbook to see if it showed a movie of some giant machine building itself. I'm only pointing out that we didn't structure our signals for the purpose of understanding them. We assumed only receivers on Earth would get these signals, so any being might interpret them differently. Our eyes have a certain threshold of movement that we can detect. Anything too fast and it, and it just blurs. Too slow and we don't see movement at all. Think of looking at a, a hummingbird's wings or the uh, hour hand of a clock. Beings that developed in a completely different environment probably wouldn't have the same visual threshold as we do. I mean, we got animals on our planet with different visual and audible thresholds. So what if they think it might be a series of moving images? But upon trying it out, it's either too fast or too slow by their standards, and they dismiss it thinking no one could see 30 frames per second. In fact, there's a, there's a brain disorder where people see the world as a series of snapshots with small delays between each one. People with this have a very hard time judging speeds, especially when it's coming right at them. I couldn't track down its names, but that may be normal for these creatures, and that would certainly affect their perception of the transmission. Remember, we're dealing with something that may be nothing like anything we can imagine. And yet, I'm using things we can imagine as examples. For reasons I don't understand, we have chosen to put all the color information from a TV signal into a single channel. Others may have done it in three separate channels. One for red, one for green, one for blue. If an alien did this, they might try to pool together three contiguous channels thinking that it's RGB values, when instead they're combining Ted Koppel, Tony Soprano, and Mike Rowe. But red, green, and blue, RGB, is a human concept. We live near a yellow star, and we have a visible light range from red to purple, which combine to make what we call white light. There are other colors of stars. The color of their star, and the distance from it, could affect their visual range. So what we've broken up into red, green, and blue may make no sense to them at all, as they only see shades of fuchsia, assuming they see in our visual range at all. Speaking of colors, the signals would probably be red-shifted, or even blue-shifted. If you're unfamiliar with this, it's when a sender and receiver are moving at different speeds, and it changes the perceived frequency. The, the classic example is a car coming towards you sounds different than when it's moving away from you. I haven't even mentioned that there's multiple types of TV signals used in different parts of the world. There's PAL, there's NTSC, and, and probably others. I don't know. The aliens have to deal with this. And one final point on this problem with simply trying to decode the signal. If we're talking about older signals from our past, they were just analog and were much simpler to decode. Modern signals are often digitally encoded and even compressed and or encrypted. Without knowing what a signal is supposed to be, I can't fathom how they would be able to break an unknown encryption that they wouldn't even know if they were right or wrong because they wouldn't understand the results, then understand that the signal is compressed with some variety of MPEG, which is a binary representation of images and sounds. I mean, if I hand you an unknown file with no extension and it's compressed, and I don't tell you anything about it, good luck figuring out what it is. I mean, you don't even know the decompression algorithm, nor will you know when you've correctly decoded it. You won't even know it's compressed. Man, this is seeming more and more difficult and less and less likely that another race could make any sense of our transmission. But enough of that. For the sake of stretching this episode out further, let's say that they do correctly interpret our signals. Maybe it just turns out that all intelligent life uses sight and hearing for communication. And for some reason, all transmissions using those are strikingly similar and therefore easy to interpret. 
They turn on their Panaphonic radio and start listening at 95.5 The Beat from light years away. Now, if all they get is audio from radio stations, are they going to be able to make any sense of what they're listening to? They won't know the languages. I pluralize that because there will be multiple radio stations with different languages. Will they be able to translate that? I would contend that it's almost impossible to translate an unknown language from audio only. Especially if there's nothing in that audio trying to help you. How is hearing, it's a pop fly to the left field, going to help teach someone what that means? There's a book called, Excuse Me While I Kiss This Guy. And it's just a listing of many things people erroneously think songs are saying. The title is obviously from the Jimi Hendrix song, Excuse Me While I Kiss the Sky. Referring to the Jay Giles band song, Centerfold, the line, My Angel is the Centerfold, someone, reported in that book, thought that it said, My Anus is the Centerhole. I only bring this up to show how we know the language and often we can't tell what they're saying in music. Again, we're not helping extraterrestrials learn anything about us. Pure audio provides no context, so you won't be able to make associations. Yeah, yeah, there's tape and CDs that teach you different languages, sure. But these use your native language to explain what the foreign tongue means. If you don't have that native key, you're screwed. Fortunately, if the Vasectacons can decipher our radio, maybe they can decipher our TV signals. Now, they finally got a prayer of learning our language. Within hours, they'll know that cheer gets out stains and is color safe. Eventually, they'll come across Sesame Street, which is an ancient children's program here in the States, and after 40 hours of the letter R and the number 4 and watching the Cookie Monster spill brown globs everywhere, they'll know the basics of our language and the importance of not talking to strangers. I assume other countries and other languages have their own versions of a show like this. But how long will it take them to find Sesame Street? I mean, if we're considering that aliens will get our older shows first and thus examine them first... It's probably one out of dozens. But today, it's one out of thousands. Actually, is it even on the air anymore? Maybe it's been replaced with Dora, The Explorer, Blue's Clues, or Pantless Phil. But even if they do find it, I wonder if they'll know that it's a show really intended to teach, or if they'll believe that giant yellow birds really do roam the countryside, forcing our young to share and praising the elusive Snuffleupagus. So, finally, it's taken years of alien study, and then years of children's educational program, but Gorf finally understands our language well enough to watch Bruce Willis's crooked smile on Moonlighting and understand what the hell is going on. Now the judging of our race can begin. Will they conclude that we're not fit for life and send wave after wave one man smart bombs to destroy our planet? Or will they stay tuned for more Punky Brewster? The cartoon version with that giant rat thing? Punky, punky. The first thing that comes to mind is reruns. Not the What's Happening character, but the incessant running of older shows. To an outsider looking in, might they conclude that Andy Griffith is our most important show simply because TBS played that show five times a day throughout the 70s and 80s? I mean, how much Aunt B and Bud Nippin' can you stomach? Ugh. But they may incorrectly conclude that Andy Griffith is a national hero of ours. Then he comes back as Matlock to just further the thought that this is the kind of law enforcement we hold dear. Without understanding our economics, they wouldn't know that some shows are shown over and over again merely because they're cheap. They wouldn't know that the producers of a show usually charge for each airing of it, 
and, and thus an entire network, Nick at Night, was able to become a powerhouse of the airwaves for almost nothing, merely by showing shows so old they were made before residuals were standard. I tend to think that they would treat this as we would treat a historical discovery. And since they probably wouldn't get the signals for quite a while, it would be historical. But like some earlier archaeologists who always wanted to play the religion card, Yeah, we couldn't figure out what purpose this blue oval on the back of this vehicle served, so it must have been used for some kind of religious ceremony. Would they conclude that we worship certain people? <laughs> I'm not entirely saying that we don't. People like Oprah. But here's something in our favor. They wouldn't have our Nielsen ratings. These identify how many people watch a given show. This means they would have no idea how popular a show is. So they would probably go by how often it's shown. So when they hit MTV in the 90s, they, they'll surely think Vanilla Ice was much more popular than he really was, simply because MTV saturated their schedule with a Ice Ice Baby. But aside from all that, what can they learn about us as a people? Just by watching our shows. Plenty. But hang on. I have to set this up for it to have full impact. You have to imagine a society that has completely different values. That's kind of hard. So I'll take one that you already know of and, and modify it. Socialism. This is basically where everyone works for the good of society. There are socialistic people on the planet, and I'm not knocking them. I'm merely using it to demonstrate something that is different to most people, and I presume different from most of my listeners. Imagine aliens that are completely socialistic, where everyone thinks first of what's good for the people, where they have no money and people just do what needs to be done. The really unpleasant duties are shared so no one has to suffer cleaning out the sewers constantly or artificially inseminate their livestock. Imagine if everyone on their planet takes pride in their work and they freely give to others. Imagine no one feeling resentful of anyone else for their accomplishments. Imagine a society where everyone shared everything and they thought ill of anyone that tried to hoard anything. Now, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm simply trying to set up something that is very different from what most of us know. I think socialism is not really in mankind's nature. I mean, for example, we tend to pair up in relationships. Not everyone. There are swingers. But I think the majority of us. And, and those that do participate in polygamy, they don't usually share their spouses, do they? I mean, we don't seem to care how many people pet Fido, but you start thinking about porking our spouse and suddenly we get all indignant. I just don't think peer sharing is what we're all about. I'm not saying we have a deficiency or making a political statement. This is just a setup. But what if an alien race was purely socialistic? What if it wasn't so much that they were all selfless, but they just put the community first? What if they were a colony of super intelligent ants or, or more like the Borg? And now they see our movies and our TV shows. In elementary school, I was told that good stories require conflict. Yes, you can find stories that don't have conflict. First I got up, and then I had a piece of toast, and I brushed my teeth, and then I went to work. But I'd wager the most popular ones have conflict. So what if these aliens, who don't really understand conflict, suddenly see all my children where Adam steals Crystal's baby and Janet hides out in a doll warehouse going insane? I'm not dogging TV here. The same concepts have appeared in written stories long before TV was around. Many comedic shows, even children's cartoons, rely on insults that can be seen as a negative thing. The afternoon TV has numerous soap operas that rely on deception and backstabbing. Again, I'm not making a social statement here. 
Frankly, I've read so much worse than I've ever seen on TV or in the movies that I don't get what all the fuss is about. We make up conflict because it makes for good stories. That's not real life. Most of us know that. Real life usually is. Well, I got up, and then I had a piece of toast, and then I brushed my teeth. That's boring! Do you think aliens might assume that TV is really how we live? That there's always murderers and single mothers around every corner, and liars and cheats and Dylans? That the man of the house is usually an idiot and capable of doing the most simple of chores, yet never admitting so? We know that most shows are purely fiction. They might not. Especially the newer shows that come across as documentaries, what with their forced jiggling cameras and whatnot. So if they were socialistic, for example, we might scare the crap out of them. They see how conniving the characters are from Melrose Place and how the girls are all passed around in 90210 and just think we're a bunch of barbarians. Entire families just yell at each other and some unseen voices are laughing at them in the background. But this would be inaccurate. We don't condone this behavior. It's just sometimes fun to root for the bad guy. I mean, I always thought Darth Vader was a lot cooler than Luke. My mom says that when she was young and TV first came to her town, the only thing on was Nat King Cole singing at a piano and boxing. I'm sure it was different for each region. Now imagine how we would feel if we suddenly get a transmission from some other planet and it shows two aliens beating the crap out of each other. Then it switches to some alien cheerfully singing about how unforgettable it was. I can guarantee you that our military leaders will immediately commence plans for larger bombs and a new division for training fighter pilots for space warfare will be created the next day. Our television shows could be that foreign to them. They might not understand that it's just a sport and we don't all do that. They might think that most of us look like Muhammad Ali and assume that it's part of military training. They might not understand that we aren't all a bunch of liars and thieves. As such, they might prepare for a potential conflict with us. Quickly, do the calculations. That transmission took X number of years to get here. It took them Y number of years to go from pistols to photon torpedoes. We gotta hurry, they'll be here any minute! We could inadvertently stimulate their economy and technological growth as they start developing long-range scanner shields and faster-than-light travel. A shared conflict has a wonderful way of making money and developing new stuff. This might lead to a preemptive strike from them upon us. To them, our hedonistic ways could be seen as a threat to the galaxy. Then again, while they might think the original Star Trek is a documentary, we have this thing called credits that lets you know who does what in the show. They'll see William Shatner in Star Trek, then again in T.J. Hooker, then later in Tech War, then in a dozen other shows. Unless they stop looking at our shows or are complete morons, I think they'll realize that these are actors playing a part. I have a hard time believing that there's an intelligent race of beings that never act out things, either for entertainment or for education. But hey, they're aliens, so what do I know? Then again, what if they are the violent race? And they see us acting out all this violence, and it's so tamed by their standards. They watched the scene where Peter Weller is killed in Robocop, which was highly controversial when it first ran. And today, you have to nudge me to keep me awake during that scene. <laughs> anyway, they watch that, and, and they think, that's the best they can do. So they go through all of our violent movies, from Reservoir Dogs to Saw, which is from R to S, so not that many. And they conclude that we're just a bunch of pussies. 
We've conveniently provided a homing beacon to an entire planet of resources and slave labor, and put a nice greeting on that beacon that shows how defenseless we are. Then again, they might think this is the most entertaining stuff they've ever seen and offer us money to translate The Simpsons to Nausicaan. Those are some of the reactions they may have to the intentionally negative things in our television signals. The things that make for good stories, but aren't really qualities we advocate. But what about some of the other negative things that aren't intentionally negative? What about advertisements? Most TV and radio, hell, even the TV you pay for, is supported by trying to convince you how much better your life would be if you'd only purchased some product. Hell yeah, TiVo! To the best of my knowledge, radio and TV commercials have been around since radio and TV's inception. In the early 1900s, Kellogg's, you know that cereal company, they bought a radio station purely so they could sell breakfast treats. I think they were even credited for making the first radio jingle. Others relied on just someone talking about how great something was. Kellogg's sung a song. From looking at older advertisements, I'd say the main things that have changed are, well, the sound and image quality and the deceptiveness. I mean, I've seen countless commercials where I wasn't even really sure what the hell they were hawking when it was over. To me, that's a failed advertisement. So from an alien point of view, what are you supposed to think about this? Many early commercials are just embedded in the show. I mean, with Howdy Doody just abruptly changing the subject and informing the audience that a full bowl of sugar smacks is what keeps his colon clean. Then back to whatever the hell that show was about. It was before my time. I'm not even sure aliens would know they just witnessed an advertisement. I mean, that was intentional, to not know it was an advertisement. But current TV has about one-third of the show as advertisements. I mean, you get around 20 to 22 minutes of entertainment and 8 to 10 minutes of commercials. That suggests that these are very important. They are, but only from an economical point of view. Now, if aliens were to have a different social model, I'll go back to my socialism example again, that means that, for one, they, they might think that all commercials are true, that cars really do bring happiness and women eat yogurt with neurogasmic pleasure. This may further confuse them as our TV shows feature insults, deception, and general pain and suffering. This could lead them to believe that we're a deeply troubled community. From their point of view, we have all these ways to bring happiness, and yet we focus much of our energy on what they perceive as negative things. We could look like a bunch of psychopaths. So on the other hand, they could have an economy very similar to ours, or at least some type of barter system. In which case, I, I think they would view our commercials exactly for what they are. Advertisements meant to sell things. But what if, for whatever reason, they don't have commercials, and then they realize their benefits? We could have a major impact on an entire planet as they steal our advertising techniques to stimulate their own economy. They flood their own market with ads for Glagnar's human rinds. That could be dangerous for them to go from no advertisements to highly advanced and deceptive advertisements. We could turn a whole planet into fat, in-debt, unhappy slobs that are convinced they need more, always need more, must have more to be happy. How do you feel now, Van Brunt and Churchill Advertising? One other thing that could be easily misconstrued. It's something we do all the time in movies and TV shows, and it bugs the crap out of me. Basically, when faced with complex problems, the actual determining of whatever the solution is, is often pulled straight out of Miss Blumwood's backside. And often, a computer is used. Remember the Super Friends cartoon with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman from the 80s? They'd always just ask the computer what's causing the problem, and it would directly tell them, and then they'd fly off and arrest somebody. The hardest part about being a crime fighter is finding the information you need. Now, computers have definitely simplified that, but you don't just ask it who did it. At least not yet. 
Then there's movies like Jurassic Park, where a little girl inefficiently navigates a file structure in 3D on a computer while velociraptors are knocking at the door behind her. I mean, we turn computers into deus ex machina, god machines, all the time in movies. I mean, I need to know where the killer is. Fortunately, I can hack into this building's elevator management system, uh, which I'm not very familiar with, and then pull up its logs to determine which floor the guy got off on. Then I'll hack into the vending machines to dispense poison coffee to him. I mean, one day, our systems may be that integrated, but they're not there yet, and I foresee political, security, and bureaucratic issues holding us back more than technological reasons. So would an alien race conclude that our computers really are that powerful? That anyone can use almost any piece of software and use it to track someone's movements and fake out security cameras? If so, it may think twice about an invasion. Then again, after seeing how most of our sci-fi shows still require a human to manually raise shields after being shot, well, maybe our computers aren't that smart after all. One last thing to consider. The concept you frequently hear is that these other-worlders are more advanced than us. There's not really a valid reason to think this. We've only become what we call a modern society in around the last 100 years. And several times in the past, there were inventions that were lost and took hundreds or thousands of years to recreate. An example would be Roman concrete. The Romans could build multi-story stone houses with the use of concrete. When their empire fell, it was quite a while before concrete was ever used again. At least that's what I heard. I wasn't there. Leonardo da Vinci supposedly made amazing medical discoveries, such as he found what we call cholesterol. But his records were lost or hidden by the church, which really didn't like what he was doing to corpses, and we only found his discoveries hundreds of years after they had already been discovered by somebody else. I'm only suggesting that, had the right people and leaders been in different places or times, we could be a lot further along technologically than we currently are. We could also be a lot further behind. We might also be at a different point socially. I think we have, overall, good morals. And had good technology come before those morals, well would be a lot worse off than we are now. That moral technological balance may also be changing at the moment. So aliens may be behind us technologically. It may be pure luck that they find our signals and manage to decipher them. I mean, in that case, even our old technology may frighten them. Our sci-fi shows may scare the hell out of them. They may also be very close to us technologically. So just imagine ourselves at this point in time receiving a signal from space. It would create a lot of social unrest. Definitely would make people rethink their beliefs. Realize that you'd have groups that probably wouldn't agree. So I don't think the aliens would reach a single conclusion about us. They'd study us for years and have heated debates about what they're seeing and hearing. And also realize that they might start rebroadcasting our shows. The Shellyak corporate may become huge fans of Ninja Warrior and Makoto Nagano. There's no conclusion to be reached here. Just something to think about if somebody ever says that aliens are judging us based on our TV and radio signals. There are numerous assumptions in that statement that may be completely wrong. I think the average person wouldn't really want humanity to be judged based on what is primarily an entertainment vector. I think the primary reason would be the possibility of misinterpreting it. But that's always the case with any form of communication between different cultures. Greeting Starfighter could be an insult in Minbari. But if it's interpreted correctly as entertainment, would it not be an accurate picture of mankind? I get a vibe that people generally consider television to be the lowest form of entertainment, and many shows are tailored for the masses. It's very passive and requires almost no imagination or thinking. But it's not just prime-time reality shows and soap operas being sent into the dark regions of the universe. It's all TV and all radio. 
So you'll get your snooty public broadcasting and the ever-popular NASA channel, which most of the time just displays the NASA logo, as well as the History Channel, and don't forget about all them nudie channels. There'll be plenty of news reports as well, and panel discussion shows which show people disagreeing. Overall, I think it presents an accurate picture. Certainly, it's not mankind at its best, but we're not usually at our best anyway. And even if it doesn't show who we truly are, it, it does show what we truly think of as entertainment. And by we, I mean we as humanity combined. Popular pointless drivel is popular because well, a lot of people like it. And if it's easy for aliens to understand our signals enough to correctly interpret them and learn our languages, then they probably have concepts that mirror our own. This suggests they share other things with us as well, and we needn't worry how they judge us. One last thing. Over the last year, I've gotten several emails from those wanting to play at least certain episodes to their children, but for some reason they just can't get past some of the language. So I'm posing two questions to my listeners. One. Should I be marking my episodes as explicit? I try to stay away from and mostly say things I've heard on any public TV station. Two. Should I create a second feed, I'll leave the main one alone, that contains a cleaned up version of each episode? Same material, just cleaned up. This has several ramifications, however, since much of my humor is derived from somewhat offensive concepts. I mean, I referred to buffalo testicle brand hot dog buns in the last episode. I don't think that's legally considered profanity, but in the spirit of playing this for children, I don't know what to think about that. So if I were to make a parallel clean feed, I don't want this show, which is definitely geared for adults, to be compromised by my second guessing of what's appropriate for children. So if I did so, it would probably just be posting a version that bleeps out, you know, definitively bad language. I might even jokingly replace words like damn with badly edited gosh darn it. But I'm not sure what to do about my numerous not-for-children examples, such as cleaning blood out of a tub. Um, as such, I'm not sure how useful a cleaned-up version would be. In addition, I'm not sure I'm fit to censor myself appropriately. I kind of have this thing about censorship, obviously, and so I may be a really bad judge. But at the same time, anything that helps kids think critically is a good thing. I just don't have the time to do a completely separate show geared for kids, which has been suggested, and trust me, that would be a train wreck anyway. So, so let me know what you think, and I, I promise I'll consider it. Remember, this was about aliens receiving our radio and TV signals. I'll leave you with a quote by one Michael J. Nelson, novelist and co-star of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Television is so deeply woven into the fabric of what and who we are as a culture that we couldn't launder it out even if we had cultural tide with new cultural tide stain fighter. Thank you for listening, Anna. You'll hear from me in around three weeks unless something horrible happens. Ooh, foreshadowing. Visit our website at logicallycritical.com. Send feedback to podcast at logicallycritical.com. 